Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America. Welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where today, in the conservative world, it's a very sad day. We're sad to report that Rush Limbaugh, the iconic talk radio host, conservative thinker, trailblazer, has passed away at the age of 70 after a long battle with lung cancer. Um, Anyone who's ever had the pleasure of meeting Rush Limbaugh hearing his show, being interviewed by him, as I was on a couple of occasions, knows uh, the stardom, the talent, the passion that he held. And he he was always humble. Uh, When you were in person with him, he could not be more humble. He was a person who never let success get to his head, who stayed true to his principles and could give voice to a story that others had ignored. Um, I think of very few people in the last 50 years who could use their bullhorn, their platform, to bring attention to a story that others were trying to bury or keep hidden, keep away uh, from the attention of the American public. And that is a big loss, even if you're a liberal, if you're a conservative, if you're an independent. uh, The ability to bring to life important stories and to get Americans to notice them, pay attention to them, to act on them, that is a gift. And uh, we are going to sorely... be missing uh, that legend in that radio space. Uh, You think of all the people he inspired after him, Sean Hannity, who's been on this show, uh, Mark Levin, uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, the list goes on and on, Dan Bongino today. Uh, There are so few uh, people who can point to a legacy tree of so many uh, spinoffs, so many other um, voices who followed in the the footsteps of, of this truly groundbreaking radio talk show host. In the last six months, we've lost two iconic uh, trailblazers in the talk show space, Larry King, of course, um, and and now uh, the one and only Rush Limbaugh. So today, to Rush Limbaugh's family, to his fans, to all those who are uh, inspired, touched, affected by Rush Limbaugh's work, I know it's a sad day, and our hearts and thoughts and prayers are with you. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, When we come back, I'm going to give you a quick preview of a story we're going to break tomorrow on Just the News. And uh, I'll give you a little bit of a taste of what that looks like. And then um, we'll have an exclusive interview coming up in a few seconds with Congressman Lee Zeldin of New York. Yes, New York, uh, 
epicenter of the new Cuomo scandal, the nursing home scandal. Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, son of Mario Cuomo, accused of hiding large numbers of nursing home deaths from his failed COVID policy. We're going to talk to Congressman Zeldin about that and so much more. I'm sure we'll ask him about Rush Limbaugh's legacy. Got to talk to him about the latest Comey memo. So many things that we can touch on with the one and only Lee Zeldin from New York. But first, let's go to that commercial break. Remember, if you love Justin News, if you love John Solomon Reports, share that love with our great advertisers and sponsors. They do amazing things for us every day to make this show possible. And by buying their products, their services, you're supporting our show. So show them the love. We'll be right back with a quick overview of a new scoop coming out tomorrow on Just the News. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a quick walkthrough on an exclusive story we're going to have tomorrow. So you're going to get it here first on Just the News and on John Solomon Reports before it even shows up on the website. Monday, we talked about the story about Jim Comey and his famous email that we got under FOIA, thanks to our friends at the Southeastern Legal Foundation, uh, a FOIA uh, in which Comey writes James Clapper, the out departing or outgoing uh, Obama Director of National Intelligence, on January 12th, 2017. And he says, we haven't adequately corroborated the uh, Steele dossier. Why is that important? Well, on that same day, he wrote the FISA court and signed on his name that the elements of the Steele dossier that were supporting the FISA application were, quote unquote, verified and therefore justification to extend the FISA surveillance on Carter Page and the Trump campaign. And you can't have it both ways. Either it's verified or it's not corroborated, but it can't be both, right? And as we now know, almost nothing in the uh, FISA warrant was adequately uh, predicated or verified. And in fact, many things that cut against the FBI's theories were omitted from the um, FISA warrant in violation of the court rules and violation of federal law. The inspector general long ago from the Justice Department highlighted 17 areas where uh, oversights and mistakes and erroneous information, false information, knowingly false information was submitted, a doctored document from Kevin Kleinsmith. But what I wanted to do uh, because these documents have come out so episodically over the last two or three years through declassifications, through Senate investigations, House investigations, through our own litigation and FOIA work here at Just the News. Um, there was a 20-day window in January of 2017 where all the lights, all the red blinking lights told the FBI, stop, drop the case, what you're doing is wrong. And, and you know, there were many other episodes and time frames uh, like this, but these 20 days will live as a 20 days of infamy in January of 2017. I just mentioned one of those that we just revealed, right? The January 12th memo to uh, from James Comey to James Clapper, 
where they admitted that the Steele dossier had not been adequately um, uh, corroborated. But there was a uh, the the period of red warning, red flags uh, began actually on January fourth of twenty seventeen. So sixteen days before Trump takes office, sixteen days before Obama leaves office, there's an extraordinary timeline where nearly every aspect, every aspect of the FBI's collusion theory fell apart, disintegrated in the face of compelling counter evidence. So let's start with January 4th. January 4th, 2017, the lead FBI agent in the Mike Flynn investigation says, after months of investigation, we found no derogatory information whatsoever. Mike Flynn is not a Russian asset. We should shut down uh, that investigation based on the rules of the FBI and give him a defensive briefing. And then James Comey's team, headquarters, seventh floor, overruled that and kept the investigation going in the absence of any evidence of wrongdoing. That was one reason why Crossfire Hurricane should probably have been shut down. But there are many, many other episodes that occur over a 20-day window. Let's start the clock on January 4th. By January 12th, I mentioned already Comey sending the FISA after telling uh, Clapper that there was uh, inadequate corroboration for Steele, but there was something else that came in on January 12th that you may not remember, but it's important when you look at the classified documents. You know what that was? January 12th, the CIA told the FBI that a key allegation in the Steele dossier, the allegation that former Trump lawyer Michael Cohen had gone to Prague and secretly met with the Russians, that that was Russian disinformation. It had been determined to be Russian disinformation. Well, that's a big deal, right? Well, guess what? The 20-day window keeps going on, and almost on a daily basis, you will see in this story tomorrow a timeline where more and more evidence of of um, innocence, of the fact that the FBI was on the wrong trail, it didn't, it no longer had the justification to investigate uh, Trump or the Trump campaign and Russia collusion. It kept coming in on a daily basis. It was like a flood. You know, there's a second intercept of. Carter Page, where he's talking to uh, a um, undercover informant, Stefan Halper, and he tells him, this is right in this window, January 4th to January 24th, that um, the information in the Steele dossier is nothing but big lies. And guess what? They didn't stop the case. They didn't tell the court about that. They didn't tell them about an earlier statement that the Justice Department learned about in January of 2017, in which Carter Page denied meeting with the two Russians that Steele had said he had met with. Um, but by the 24th, the day that they're going to interview Mike Flynn, even though they have no basis for interviewing Mike Flynn, even though the Justice Department, including Obama holdovers like Sally Yates, were concerned about the behavior here, the FBI went ahead and interviewed Flynn and tried to trap him into a lie. But on that same day, which is another example of wrongdoing or red flags, that very same day, the FBI was in Washington meeting with Christopher Steele's primary subsource, the man who much of the dossier was attributed to. And in that interview on January 24th, the 20th day, in a period of what I think will often live as FBI infamy, it turns out that uh, the subsource disowned, discredited, denied some of the information that Christopher Steele had attributed to him. Basically, the source undercut the informant on multiple multiple allegations from the famous P tape at the Moscow hotel 
to specifics about dates, including Carter Page and whether or not he really met with Russians. That information turned out to be sketchy, uncorroborated. Um, that was the final screaming sound, the siren that told the FBI, we should back out of this. We need to reevaluate. We need to stop. And instead, James Comey, Andy McKay, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, they doubled down. And they continued to keep an investigation going in the absence of evidence of wrongdoing and in the face of significant evidence of innocence. It is going to be 20 days of infamy when history looks back at the FBI's conduct between January 4th, 2017 and January 24th, 2017. The transition between presidents was occurring and the FBI was waging a false investigation knowingly false. They knew their stuff was bad and they were hiding it from the Congress, the American people, and most importantly, the FISA court who had just given them new authority to continue to surveil the Trump campaign. Um, read this story tomorrow. Check out the timeline. I often found that timelines, when you, especially when a complicated story that's eked out over months and months, sometimes putting a timeline together is one of the most powerful things you can do. And I think this timeline just speaks volumes about all the red stop signs that the FBI blew through, all of the warning signs, all of the civil liberties protections, all of the requirements of disclosing evidence of innocence to the FISA court blown past, the American people misled, the United States Congress misled, the FISA court misled by people in the FBI who knew what they were doing was inaccurate, false, and potentially illegal. If the special prosecutor, John Durham, can't make a case out of this timeline, I don't know if he can make a case at all. These are critical facts, and when you put them all together from declassified documents spread out over more than a year's released, well, many of them by obtained by Just the News, you get a sense of just how bad it was. All right, folks, we're going to go to that second commercial break. When we come back, it'll be time to speak to Rep. Lee Zeldin, Congressman Lee Zeldin of New York, the Andrew Cuomo scandal. It is getting hotter by the day in New York. And uh, we're going to talk to the congressman about what he knows, what should be done, how we get past all of the COVID mistakes in America and get this country back on its feet. Be right back with Congressman Lee Zeldin right after this commercial break. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, a man who has a scandal brewing in his backyard of the great state of New York, Congressman Lee Zeldin. Welcome to the show. Always great to be with you. Thanks for having me back. 
I want to get to the Cuomo scandal because it has such momentous uh, uh, impact and, and there's so many things that we still need to learn about it. But before I go there, today we lost a legend in the radio, talk radio business. Rush Limbaugh passed away at the age of 70. There isn't a conservative I know who wasn't touched by him over the course of their careers. Uh, any just in, instant reaction to Rush's passing and the hole it leaves and how we fill that hole going forward? I'm completely blazed a trail for talk radio that forever changed what talk radio is, what it meant. Uh, it shaped the conservative movement for generations of conservatives. Uh, Rush's outreach to Americans from all walks of life helped uh, frame debate and thought on so many important issues of the day. Uh, and what can't be understated was the size of his following. Uh, there are people who are in talk radio and they have an audience. They're proud of their audience. It's a loyal base. But right. there was something different about Rush. It was uh, it was millions of Americans tuning into every word. And many of people would be at work with their radio barely on and they're capturing every single thing. And they felt like what Rush was saying in so many respects was relating to what they were thinking, but it felt good uh, to hear someone else saying it, that confirmation that the way they viewed government, politics, current events, uh, it, they weren't alone. Uh, so it was a special type of bond relationship that he had with millions of Americans uh, that will never be forgotten. Yeah, it's so true. And, and you're right. You know, he, he he's labeled a conservative talk host, but his audience was so much bigger than the conservative movement, blue collar workers, everyday workers, law enforcement. He had a way of speaking to a much larger audience than just the conservative movement. And like you said, if there was a, a thought rattling in the back of your head and you couldn't get it out once you heard Rush Limbaugh say it, it came to your frontal lobe in a way that uh, you wouldn't forget. Um, it's an amazing, amazing gift that he had and an amazing legacy he blazed in America. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, there are a few people who have uh, that talent. I uh, I remember being at a, a breakfast with Newt Gingrich uh, over a decade ago, and he asked the question to someone who was running for Congress, and that candidate gave an answer that was about six paragraphs long. And Newt said, well, why don't you say this? And it was about eight words long. And in those eight <laughs> words, he said, the same exact thing as what took that other, what took that congressional candidate six paragraphs, yeah. and it actually made more sense. Uh, there, it, it's a rare talent, and it exists across the ideological spectrum, the political spectrum. People who, you know, they're they're smart, they're they're good with words and 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 thoughts to be able to express what's uh, what's on their mind. And Rush was one of those talents. To your point where he would say something in a certain way, maybe you weren't uh, able beforehand to figure out how to put the words out to uh, vocalize that thought. And there was Rush hitting the point better than you could have ever imagined it. Yeah, it's so true. When I, I he did an interview for his magazine with me or his monthly newsletter uh, a couple of years ago, right when the Russia collusion thing was, the first round of it was wrapping up. And he said to me something off air that I'll never forget. He said, the greatest thing you can give the American people is the kernel of truth. We get all of the fluffery in politics, but most people forget to tell you what the kernel of truth is to each story, and I hope I can do that. And that has stuck in my head for so long. I, I, I remember his words exactly. And he could take a story and get you right to the point of the story of why it really mattered. Really a gift. Oh, gosh. We, we really desperately need more truth 
in the way that the, the, this debate is engaged amongst especially so many people in the media. Uh, people so are busy true. with lives, with families. They, they want to get caught up on the news of the day. And the filter of that person's ability to catch up. I mean, I've, I, I remember I mean, you and I have had this, uh, this conversation as we're going through the closed-door impeachment depositions. I remember one night, it was actually after Vinman's deposition, where uh, Don Lemon's show, I, I tuned in at the top of the 10 o'clock hour just to see how he was covering it. Right. And if you were listening to it, if you were watching that show, you were actually becoming dumber by watching it. So you <laughs> oh, thought no. by tuning in, you thought by tuning in, yeah. maybe you would you get brought to speed as to what happened that day with the Vinman deposition. No. But if, if you would have been better off never turning it on, we just need more truth in the way that info is getting out to the person who just wants to get caught up on the news. Yeah, that's so true. Just the news. So, so true. Yep, that's, that's why we started Just the News. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we can live up to the, the name and the brand. Talking about truth, there clearly is some new truth coming out in New York that had been covered up for a long time by the media, by the Democratic establishment. Uh, Andrew Cuomo, the nursing home scandal, the magnitude of deaths. Now, we always have scandals in politics, and some are about gotcha things, and some things are more consequential. But this is about thousands of lives lost. I mean, you can't be more consequential than that. Can you bring us up to speed on where you think things stand and what questions still need to be answered in New York by Governor Cuomo, by his administration? First, the governor puts the executive order out end of March 2020 requiring infected patients to be placed with healthy nursing home residents. We just learned the number was over 9,000 infected patients oh, who are yes. placed in these nursing homes. And as a result of the underreporting, we are just hearing in recent days and weeks uh, that the number of seniors who passed away as a result of this policy was a lot higher than what was originally being put out by the state. So one issue was the order itself, uh, but then there was a cover-up. Right. And uh, now we have an admission from Melissa DeRosa, who is a top aide to Andrew Cuomo, the secretary to the governor, who it's like a chief of staff position. Right. And uh, she admitted that they didn't provide information that they should have had. They should have on a nursing home death. And they were doing it because they were concerned they wanted to block a DOJ investigation. They, mm. it, it, her, her admission, as new, reported by the New York Post, wasn't just that they withheld information. She also speaks to the intent of the reasoning as to why they withheld the information. So first and foremost, to answer your question, what should we have is just more more truth, more facts just laid out. Two is how about some remorse from yeah. the governor? I mean, he's making things worse as he's having these press conferences. That's what's and he's striking. In full on, he's in full-on battle mode, and, and he's dealing with an issue. And this isn't just people who don't like Andrew Cuomo. Uh, this, this is – I mean, there are a lot of Democratic state legislators who are speaking up. You have a lot of allies in the media now, finally, over the course of the last day or two starting to speak up more. Uh, so that that is, I think, a testament to Andrew Cuomo was begging for that type of a reaction. You know, he was asked about this a few weeks ago, and he was said, who cares? Who uh, cares? He did. He literally but said that. Not, People died. He we're said, not yeah. Ask, we're not asking for this information for us. This yeah. is for thousands of dead New York seniors and their families demanding answers, and they want accountability, too. Now, as far as options go, the state legislature, they, they have 
power to subpoena. They can help get more info out. They have impeachment power. Right. The New York voters have a power. November 2022, Andrew Cuomo's up for re-election again. That's right. Uh, the Department of Justice, other prosecutors in New York, they have powers. If they want to pursue it, I, I mean, it kind of looks like an obstruction of justice case, what was admitted to by the secretary to the governor. And that might not be the only criminality when you start analyzing the original order and what that meant as far as death. So right. there's a lot of where this can go from here. It's remarkable, too, because Andrew Cuomo didn't have to send those sick patients back to the nursing homes. President Trump had sent a, a Navy hospital ship. They built the um, uh, uh, outdoor hospital so that they could have this excess capacity. And, and so one, I, I've been talking to some prosecutors in the last day. One of the words that have come up is criminal negligence. Could these could this have been such a bad order that it, it, it raises, rises to the level of criminal negligence? Some of the prosecutors I've talked to are beginning to wonder if that's part of it and that that's what they were afraid of the Justice Department looking at. Uh, which you know was the big revelation that there was a, a cover-up, as you said. Um, any inkling that even though Democrats were in charge of Congress, that the House or Senate Judiciary Committees or the Health Committees, that they could look at it from a federal perspective? Because beyond the politics and the culpability, we have to learn from the mistakes that were made in COVID. And a lot of the mistakes were made in big Democratic states. Do, do you think there's any impetus in Congress, uh, or would you like to see Congress take a piece of this so that we can learn from these mistakes and not repeat them in the future? There is no sign yet of those committee chairs, those members of leadership looking to use their power, to use their gavel, to use their oversight and their own subpoenas to help get to the bottom of this. I haven't seen any sign to indicate that. You mentioned the Judiciary Committee. I don't see Jerry Nadler represents a district Right in the That's heart right. of this, he hasn't said anything uh, that that I have seen as far as the Judiciary Committee digging deep. I, you know, Chuck Schumer is from the heart of, the, I mean, really the epicenter where the outbreak and where this particular controversy we're talking about right. stems from. I've not seen anything come from him. And by the way, I mean, Andrew Cuomo is a former Attorney General in New York, so this isn't someone who's naive to the law. He's an attorney himself. He's a former prosecutor, and I would only imagine. What Andrew Cuomo, as the New York State Attorney General, an ambitious Andrew Cuomo who wants to become governor, would be doing if the roles were reversed right now. He would destroy, he would destroy the governor uh, with this particular fact pattern. Um, it, you know, one other thing that's interesting to note is when we're talking about the Department of Justice and you having your conversations with prosecutors, the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District is the mother-in-law of Melissa DeRosa. Yes. So, I mean, it, we know of Andrew Cuomo's relationship with Joe Biden and Cuomo's relationship with many other people in the Biden administration, that alliance that's there, and that's the line that's, alliance that's strong. Um, but you know, when you have Merrick Garland, for example, coming up for a, a Senate confirmation hearing right. and being asked questions as far as what type of an attorney general he plans to be, hey, I got a fact pattern for you. Let, let me let me test this one out to see if you're truly going to be independent. I mean, this is real life, real world issues that resulted in the loss of life. This isn't just some, you know, some white collar crime that you, right. you have trouble maybe even identifying a victim impact uh, or personalizing it. Uh, here is very much the opposite. Uh, so let's see what Merrick Garland has to say. Now, even if the uh, the chairs of a House or Senate uh, committee aren't going to do 
the right thing digging into this, even if the leadership uh, of the House and Senate chambers at a higher level aren't going to be committed to digging into it. There's going to be an opportunity, like the Merrick Garland confirmation hearing, for Republicans to be able to ask some questions. Let's take advantage of it. Yeah, and we got to get the answers to the American people. Like you said, facts are important, and we were certainly withheld, uh, or a lot of facts were withheld from us from a long time. One of the things that is so shocking to me, and again, I've seen it since the beginning of the Russia scandal, the, the media was once again on the wrong side of this. They were building up Andrew Cuomo as the model, the antithesis of Donald Trump on COVID. And in fact, he was the, a disaster. In fact, Donald Trump actually gave Andrew Cuomo tools to avoid this, and they didn't use it, right? They don't use the uh, the extra hospital. They don't use the hospital ship. Um the news media, when you look back at it now and the flip-flop they've done, uh, are they partly culpable for not asking questions sooner and, and demanding answers sooner than today? Oh, they, they it's a responsibility to ask the, the tough questions, to shoot straight. They have no problem uh, engaging in fact-checking and uh, digging deep on anon- with anonymous sources. Uh, they, they will go... With, with a hit piece with uh, almost no source. I mean, right. some of these media oh, outlets, and we sure. saw it with the steady flow, as you pointed out, with the Russia collusion uh, investigation. The, uh, the, the, I mean, at the beginning of this entire outbreak, Governor Cuomo was giving his press conferences, and the structure of the press conference was one where, put an opinion aside, this is where Andrew Cuomo really went wrong. But early on, when he was putting out factual information, the way it was presented, it was something that the, the average American, especially a New Yorker, was thirsty for. I mean, we're all thirsty. We're hungry for information to inform us. And where the whole thing got derailed with Andrew Cuomo was when it became a show. It became, in his own words, it became the Andrew Cuomo show. When he had Chris Cuomo as a guest. Remember he that? Had, yeah. uh, during his press conference, he said, you know, you have one hour here, you know, 24-7, it's the Andrew Cuomo show. And when he started to blur fact and opinion, and especially when he was giving opinion, and it became you know, just with the, the type of commentary with the, you know, the poster and then the book and the Emmy, it just became too much and went off the rails. But there was a great hope at the beginning with the way he was structuring his press conferences to play an important role. Now, the media can be uh, captivated at the beginning of it and consuming facts that are accurate to help with reporting. Hey, that's all good. I have no issues with that. I mean, that's the way it should be. But when things were starting to go off the rails and you're smart enough to realize what's right and wrong, that's where the tough pivot has to get made. Um, But I think that the ultimate uh, trump card here is November 3rd approaching. And there was this desperation by so many in the media to take down Donald Trump that if they really if they aggressively sought after that deep dive on fact, on reality of what was happening in New York and and what was going on with Andrew Cuomo, that would have really taken away from their ability to take down Donald Trump. And that is where that's where the media has a whole lot of responsibility is when everything started pivoting and the. The issues became so much more obvious, and then the media knew that something was wrong, and then they weren't chasing after it because it didn't fit with the business model, the narrative, the agenda, the bias. 
Uh, and that's the, that's the indefensible part. Yeah, such a great point it is. I mean, we saw it in so many things, not only covering for Cuomo on this, but, you know, uh, not covering the Hunter Biden laptop. We can go through so many things and you begin to scratch your head. I want to go back to uh, the media and leaking just for a second, because we're going to have a story coming up in the next couple of days on Just the News. And as stories were being leaked out about the Russia collusion case, you can see in the text messages that we've gotten declassified thanks to President Trump. The FBI personnel who are most familiar with the case could not believe how far off the New York Times, CNN were uh, in their reporting. I mean, the guys who knew the facts, they were texting each other saying, this is embarrassing. Journalism's in trouble or it's in crisis because they can't get this story right. I hope when people see those text messages, they realize how much culpability the media has when the FBI is... Uh, privately snickering at just how bad the news media is, we ought to all stop and pause for a second and wonder what's going on. Um, I know you you were frustrated early on about all of the coverage of the Russia scandal and then the lack of coverage when the story went into reversal. Have you seen any evidence that the media has learned from its mistakes, that it has any introspection that it, it wants to get right in the future? No. No. I, I, I really wish that I could be bragging on all the the ways that uh, the, the media has done some self-reflection and they're going to pursue this better course going forward. I, I've always I feel bad for those who are in media who are in it for all of the right reasons. They care about yep. objective journalism. They they I mean, this is a con this is a constitutionally protected a foundation bedrock of our country, That's right. uh, and and it gets sabotaged on a business model where you know, CNN might be deciding one morning, okay, if the GDP numbers which are due out uh, show over three percent growth, then we're going to cover wall to wall about the Michael Cohen transcripts. But if GDP is under three percent, then it'll be wall to wall coverage about how. It missed its mark, and the economy is failing under Donald Trump. Mm. Take some, you take a moment of what that means, your business model, of how you do your coverage based on whether or not it's good or bad for Donald Trump. And it was like that every single day for right. years for so many of these members of the outlet, uh, so, many, uh, so many different outlets in the media. And I don't know of, of them uh, even behind the scenes saying to, to each other, hey, we're wrong, we can never do this again, we got to get it right, and change it in ways. The, the biggest factor that's changing how they do things is that Joe Biden is now in the White House and not Donald Trump. Yep. And, the way, and one of the ways that they're dealing with it is they have a whole lot more room to talk about Joe Biden's favorite ice cream or the dogs that are uh, inside of uh, the White House yep. now. The, the crackling uh, you know, fire playing, in the Oval Office. <laughs> the playing Mario Kart, yeah. but no time to call BB. Yeah. Um, but they'll they'll do, they'll cover it on the Mario Kart. Um, so there's a lot on uh, on that approach, and uh, the other is the fact checking. Oh my God! You know, it, where it's before, gone in reverse on that. They don't check any facts. <laughs> now, now, now they're actually providing rationale for the lie. That's right. And then it's about rationalizing the rationalization of the lie. Yep. And that's yep. how they all, the, the fact checkers, pile on. And it's like they don't, re I, I, I really wonder, do they really think that the entire country is that stupid? 
I mean, it, do they think it's us or do they think it's it's them? And when I say us, I'm talking about hundreds of millions yeah. of Americans who are smart enough to realize. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. I, there was a moment last night in the Biden town hall that just struck me. I was watching it. And when he comforted the little girl who was upset about, uh, you know, could she get COVID? And he said, don't, you know, you're not going to get it. I remember when the media jumped all over Donald Trump for suggesting that school children weren't at risk, which, by the way, was 100% scientifically true. Everybody agrees on that now. But the media fact-checked him and shamed him and said he has no basis to say that. Joe Biden said it last night. There wasn't a peep. I didn't see anything in the morning papers about it. It's crazy. I remember the, the middle of 2020, and Donald Trump was saying that by the end of this year, we're going to have a vaccine. That's right. He was, he was formally fact-checked. It wasn't that he was disputed. Right. The, the fact checkers were rating that comment false. And then we end up with a vaccine by the end of the year. And then the same people, instead of eating crow and saying, hey, we made a mistake uh, and, and and really owning up to it uh, in a way that we can give some, some kudos for uh, uh, for doing the right thing, then they, they want to start fact checking him because there weren't 20 million doses distributed. Unbelievable. Yet. The doses that they go, said weren't possible. <laughs> by the way, and then you go days into 2021. We're not yep. talking about waiting months into 2021. Nope. Days into 2021, you're now hitting 20 million doses distributed. But even though you're just days away, that is what you want to make the legacy item. Let's just forget. Let's make believe that we never fact-checked him that there would be a, right. a vaccine by the end of the year. And let's call Donald Trump a liar because he didn't hit the 20 million mark by December 31st. I mean, give me a break. I mean, that's to, you know, to your point of, of the, the double standards here. Is you, you point out the girl and, and, uh, and contracting coronavirus and words do matter. Um, listen, I, I'm, no one's going to ever accuse um, you know, Donald Trump of being perfect, of Joe Biden of being perfect, of you know, the next president. Uh, we are all capable of making mistakes. Um, it, it's it's just really important that if you have that duty of um, being an, an arbiter of truth, to be an arbiter of, of morals, if you want to climb up on the high horse, you better hold everyone else to the same standards exactly. you're willing to hold yourself and your own allies. Well, that's such a great point, Congressman. You're so right. And the media has had two two entirely different standards depending on who they're covering. It's crazy. I want to get to one last thing. I know you're busy, but I want to ask you about the World Health Organization. So President Trump suspended funding after what we learned about uh, their their sort of sleepy role in the early COVID outbreak. Uh, and then Joe Biden came in and immediately restored it. And then the WHO came out with its first report. The WHO came out with its first report saying, we, we think the um, uh, the origins of the, uh, of the virus is this. And immediately the Biden administration, including the State Department, kind of disowned the report. And it raises the question, why are we funding a World Health Organization whose science we don't trust? We, we, I mean, even the Biden administration was challenging the assumptions in that report. Uh, are you concerned that WHO is backfunded? And what, if anything, can Republicans or Congress do to try to call attention to that? This was this is about fulfilling a campaign promise. And one of the ways that they were able to uh, build additional support to go against Donald Trump was to ensure that there was zero accountability for China, there was zero accountability for World Health Organization, that any attempt 
to get to the facts of this of, of this having any type of origin or responsibility uh, with regards to anyone or anything other than Donald Trump himself what was uh, a no-go zone in in any conversation and part of that ended up meaning that the Biden campaign would have to pledge to re-enter the World Health Organization because Donald Trump was wrong in their opinion of withholding the funding in the first place. Now, the honest take is uh, that there is an issue with the World Health Organization that when we are providing U.S. tax dollars to any foreign country or any foreign entity, we need to be doing it because it, it, we have assessed as a nation that it is in our best interest as a country to do it for ourselves. Uh, and in the World Health Organization standpoint, if you are going to take the position that we should start providing them funding again, how do you do that without any type of criticism leveled on parroting uh, CCP talking right. points out of Such the gate? Such a good point, right? And not providing information because it ended up costing American lives. I mean, we, we 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 were harmed by the way the World Health Organization approached this. Obviously, in the CCP, they were saying that the United States military sent coronavirus to China, that it came from the United States military. So, you know, I don't know exactly what China and, you know, the, and the CCP specifically, or the World Health Organization, what, what they have on the Biden administration. But I will say for sake of the domestic politics and the campaigning, where they've taken positions to try to score votes, hey, now you're actually in office and you got to start doing the right thing. And there's nothing wrong with if you're going to continue to provide funding again to an organization like the World Health Organization or to you want to start uh, providing funding to the Palestinian Authority again. Sure. There's Iran, nothing wrong wherever with, we go. Yeah. With, yeah. But you have to, you know, you're providing money to the Palestinian Authority. Well, then let's, you can have an, a, an issue with them financially rewarding terror and inciting violence. We could talk about it. And that's the biggest issue with the funding. Beyond the money itself, because it's U.S. tax dollars and it's precious money, is that we're not providing that money now with these policies we're hearing about the last few weeks with any level of accountability or desire for reform. It's just like, here's the money. Do whatever you, you want with it. And we don't care about all of these different examples of where you're violating acceptable norms to us. As a matter of fact, in many cases, we'll help you excuse or explain that away as Biden does with their human rights abuses we see uh, in China and his answers there that we've seen in the last couple of days. So you know, the money is one thing, and it's a big thing, and we should be talking about it. But if you're going to insist on providing the money anyway, gosh, to do it without any desire to make sure that the money is being spent as wisely as possible to achieve the best end game for the United States, man, that's, that, that's a fireball offense. Yeah, no, it's so important. And I, most Americans, as you said, because they don't get the information from the news media, they're unaware of of this sort of uh, lack of oversight, this lack of accountability, which seems to permeate all through Washington. I mean, that's the last five years have been about how little accountability uh, bureaucrats and, and our tax dollars and others are, are, are getting, how much lack of scrutiny they're getting. And we're lucky that you're on the job because you're, you're somebody that always brings that accountability lens to every penny that's spent and every policy that's debated. And so we're grateful for your time and, and your thoughts today, Congressman, and want to wish you well. I'm sure we'll have you on the show quickly uh, back with so many big things happening in New York. You got it. Look forward to it. Take care. Thanks, sir. Have a good day. You too.
All right, folks, that wraps things up for the day. We're going to go a quick commercial break, and then we'll give you a little preview of what's coming tomorrow. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, that wraps it up for today. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Congressman Lee Zeldin. Be sure to check out justthenews.com in the morning with our exclusive story on the uh, 20 days of infamy in January 2017 where the FBI blew past numerous red stop signs that should have stopped the Russia collusion case. You're going to love the facts. All the documents are embedded. All the information's there for you to check yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. Go to the dig in section, but we think it's an important story. Hope you enjoy it. You got an early scoop here with it. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with another show. I think tomorrow we're going to have Bruce Lavelle, one of President Trump's spokesmen on the campaign, longtime advisor to the president, to the RNC, talking about what Trump does next. That's going to be a fun conversation. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, be safe, be warm, enjoy your family. God bless you and God bless this great country.